Benny, what episode is this? 23. Episode 23 of The Real Talk Podcast. It's your host, Joey. And Thomas. And if you like what you're hearing, please like, subscribe, and comment down below. How you doing? I'm doing well. Just got back from D.C. How was it? You know, the cherries are blossoming. It was awesome. Yeah. Awesome blossoms. Eat anything good? Drink anything good? Oh, I went to Fogo de Chow. Oh. Fire. Yeah. Big meat guy. You know? Where'd you meaty. Where'd you guys come from today? Tell the people. We were at 22 West filming some sexy drink reels. <laughs> All right. Benny was directing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Benny was directing. Benny, what'd you think? First great. time directing. He was yelling at me. He was yelling at no, you? No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> TP was patient no, with just me. Kidding. He was patient. TP is patient. patient. I was just there to be a helping hand. Oh, shit. But yeah, What'd we got think? on today. Today, we have Steven Chiochi. Steven is a skilled professional with extensive knowledge and experience in the fields of branding, marketing, and development, and is currently the proud owner of Ambi Coffee. Steven has over 12 years of experience as the president of the Arelli Group. The Arelli Group empowers brands by creating better websites, apps, and marketing campaigns. Steven is also the founder of Promoverse, a local merchant advertising platform that is aimed to give local consumers discounts on everyday things while stimulating the local businesses and fresh new customers. He has also served as the business director of the development of the Smith Group, which is a team American-based developers and designers that bring clients' ideas to life. Steven has also worked as the director of marketing and business development at Exact which he helped businesses get local sales guaranteed by automating eight types of marketing. Overall, Steven is a skilled professional with ex- extensive knowledge and experience in the field of branding, marketing, and development. Everybody welcome Steven Chioche. <laughs> How'd you think of that? What'd you think of the, the intro? Oh, man, you were a mess, bro. Oh, dude, I was trying my best. Dude. I was trying my best. That was a roller coaster. I know. It's a lot. A lot. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. You do a lot. <laughs> I, you know? I have done a lot, yeah. Sounds like it. BR guy. Yeah. Is that where kind of all the marketing and entrepreneurship started or when did all that start? Yeah, I was like working for Verizon for a while, Mm -hmm. um, doing like B2B stuff and uh, actually met like a dude that I actually like overheard a conversation. He was like on the phone, uh, one of my customers and he was talking about investing. And Mm -hmm. like at the time I was uh, I was designing an app, the Promoverse app, which Mm -hmm. I don't you know, we got acquired or whatever years later, but I was designing an app and heard this guy was an investor, never approached an investor in my life and uh, wound up approaching him. And uh, long story short, he wound up investing in that app and I quit my job. And ever since then, that was about when I was like 21. So Damn. how'd you start getting into creating apps? Uh, I don't know. I had my buddy a long time ago. He's my roommate, Alex. He used to, uh, he used to always say, like, get into location-based services. Get, like, this was before apps were, like, huge. Yeah. You know, it was like I had a BlackBerry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, so well, it was, yeah. like, right when the iPhone was just starting to, you know, come up. It was, like, when remember when Foursquare was, like, a thing? Yeah. And, like, Yelp was just starting yep. to be a thing? That's, that's when I started doing the app thing. I was like, I got to get a piece of this. And I don't know if you ever watched that show, like, Silicon Valley. Yeah. But mm-hmm. we basically did that, like... We got a house. We rented it up in like the woods, and we uh, we built an app for like three years. And uh, wow. yeah, damn. How did you learn how to build apps? Was it all self taught? Did you go to school for it? Or? Oh, I don't know a damn thing about. Like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a programmer. Mm-hmm. Um, my skill set is like bringing the right people together mm-hmm. to get like a task done. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, we had like developers and designers like on hand on staff, and um, I just kind of like helped bring all that together. How did you learn how to do that? Like, did you go to school for like business marketing? No, or? man. I don't know. I like I, just it was just natural to me. Like, like, like as a kid, were you like the kid that would like 
go knock on people's stores, <laughs> get all the kids to come out, pick the teams. Yeah. <laughs> I used to actually film like uh I don't know, you've probably watched Jackass, but we yeah. used to like do that stuff. And I was like the ringleader of that like crew, <laughs> we were like the Johnny skateboarding Knox. and like, you know, like doing crazy stuff on our skateboards and stuff. Yeah. And uh, that was like my first, I guess, like business because we were like, we were doing like prank calls and recording them and selling CDs at school and like oh, stuff shit. like that. So, yeah, I guess that was kind of like where I got the leadership, uh, taste for leadership. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, this this app like, I just was like so all about it, mm-hmm. and I thought I was gonna like ride the uh, ride the wave, this the app wave to being like a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I was twenty, um, didn't wind up going that far with it, but um, it, it it was it was like a really good experience. It helped me build like the foundation mm-hmm. for uh, for everything I had to do today. Yeah. Did you take any? Sorry. No, Did you take anything from from like the corporate infrastructure of like Verizon and incorporate that into oh, totally. like what you guys? Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like the basic sales skills that they put you through, at least back then, it was like commission based sales. So like, they they taught you how to you know navigate objections and um, just convince people that don't really need stuff to yeah. buy stuff. <laughs> yeah. So that was like those were like some basic skills. I felt like that. Were, were taught to me through a corporate entity, so to speak. And they had some pretty strict, like three, it was like a 90 day thing where we'd have to like drive out for training and do like sales simulations with like people watching in like mock stores and stuff. So I felt like I went to like boot camp for like basic selling, you know, like mm-hmm. cell phones and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But it was good. It was a good re- repetitive, you know, thing to do to like just be able to have those you know, hard conversations with people and like ask them f- to buy shit from you. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I used to have to, I worked for like Northwestern Mutual for a little. Yeah. Like selling like financial advisors, selling insurance. And it's not always easy. Like, like yeah. I don't know if you were like really loving what you were selling, <laughs> but it makes it like to learn it doing something that you don't really aren't like fully invested in. Sure. And then when you finally get something that you're yeah. like, oh, I love this then like your skills with that are just going to enhance yeah. once you do get something. hundred percent. Yeah. If you don't believe in what you're, what you're selling, it's going to show through eventually. Like you're just not going to perform, perform very yeah. well unless the commission is just that ridiculous mm-hmm. and you're that motivated by money. But, um, yeah, I, I, I actually enjoyed selling that, the, you know, like data plans, like back in the day, mm-hmm. remember you had to like buy text message plans <laughs> there was no like, unlimited yeah, <laughs> yeah oh like the, the payouts from verizon were like crazy back then like really? i was yeah i was pulling in like way more money than my friends that were like going you know graduating from college and stuff they were like not yeah. making anything and i was like already three years into making like really good money so i felt like it was a good path to be on did you go to college at all no i haven't gone to college oh shit i no. i always stress to people like especially now do you do you find like back in the day it was there was a lot more stigma about going to college, totally. or do you think now it's a little bit more accepted where you don't go to college you just learn in the field? Yeah, I I, f- I feel like it was expected like mm-hmm. especially going to Bridgewater like yeah. everybody had their college picked out yep. mm-hmm. like when I was younger, they didn't really know where to put me. <laughs> <laughs> like my mom sent me to like vocational school for like tr- to try anything mm-hmm. like I tried welding I tried. Uh, culinary school for a little bit classes in culinary and like I just didn't find a fit anywhere and Mm -hmm. all I wanted to do was just like get to work and like Mm -hmm. make money and get out of my house and not live with my parents anymore so I started with that and uh, 
that gave me the freedom to be able to like pick and like play with what I want to do. And that's how I kind of got into sales. And then eventually, you know, I guess entrepreneurship. Awesome. Sounds like you really got out there and tested different fields. Oh yeah. Out, I did tried so many it out. things. I was selling like a uh, vacuum cleaning for a little <laughs> wow. bit yeah. door to door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And getting acquired, what was that like? Was it hard letting go of like your baby, essentially your first app? Um, it felt like a good time to do it. Like the investor funds kind of dried up. The guy wanted us to monetize the business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you know, like most apps don't charge users, mm -hmm. you know, the good ones, like they'll, they try to get a critical mass of users before they, um, start figuring out how to make money. Yeah. And, uh, my investor at the time, he's kind of old school guy, like Vietnam war veteran, just like did all the right things and like built businesses. And he, he was very much like, let's charge for this. Let's figure out how to make money. And we just, it wasn't at the point where we could charge people for it. So hmm. basically we decided to like gut the customer list and like sell everything to another company. And that's how I wound up working for that. Like exact company they mm. bought all the data and then i went on with them to like help them implement the technology that we built and uh grow their business did that feel like a step up when you went and worked for the other company kind of felt like a step down like because really? i went from being my own boss to oh. uh to like working for somebody else which i've learned every time i try that just doesn't work for yeah. me so yeah yeah and then how did you trans so how do you kind of transition from exact to the next kind of phase um, and how did you let go of that relationship? Yeah. So it was tough. Like the CEO of that company, I was like his right hand guy. Um, and he just like, didn't want to let go of me. Yeah. <laughs> like he offered me more money and like, didn't want me to leave the company. Um, but I wound up getting an offer from another company at higher pay and mm -hmm. I was able to work remote at that time. So I like, that's kind of how I picked up uh, sales and like business development skills. And, uh, yeah, I just wound up giving my notice and taking a job and moving to Florida for a bit. And, uh, that's when I started selling apps basically and like mm -hmm. learning how to do website sales, like custom software sales and stuff like that for about eight months. I did that. And, uh, yeah. How have you seen like everything transition in terms of like, uh, selling and acquiring apps between now, like back in the day where like Foursquare, like it was a lot more simple. And now I feel like there's just so many different apps to be selling and so many different like logistics. Well, I think there's still like the stigma, like everybody's like, you know, if you own a business, they think, you know, business owners, they'll come to me and they'll be like, oh, I need an app for this. And it's like, you don't need an app. You just like the f idea or you've seen an app and you're like, I want that. But typically, you know, a lot of things can be done just like with a custom website or like some type of app that's on the web where you don't need to like jump through all the app store hoops and be on iOS and Android and stuff. Um, there was a huge bubble, like everybody wanted an app and it was, it's, it's just, it drove up the demand for developers and how much they would charge for their like time. So like to get an app on the app store, there's like a lot of different ways to do it. Um, nowadays it's a lot cheaper cause you could like take a website and then convert it to an app and then like go through some automated processes and get it approved on the app store. But it's not going to be like using Instagram, you know, mm -hmm. it's going to be like a website on a phone, you know what I mean? <laughs> but if you want like an actual app built from start to scratch, there's a lot of processes and procedures and like people that, excuse me, um, 
just with different skill sets along the way to get you from like concept to launch. Mm -hmm. um, so I almost always veer people away from building an app because the cost is like six figures plus even just to get like a basic functioning, mm -hmm. you know, well-made app out onto the app store. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely tapering. I feel like less people are looking to go like the app development route and more people are looking to just build like a minimum viable version of their idea on the web first and like mm. make sure it's mobile friendly. And yeah, that's kind of like where it's going now. But for a while it was like everybody wanted apps. Do you think AI is helping the process of like creating apps, marketing, branding? I think it's starting to, mm. I don't think, um, there's some, there's some platforms that are using the APIs and like automating some things right now that are, it's pretty clever, but it's, it's kind of novelty right now. Um, I do think in the next five years or so, we're going to see a shift of automation and the way people program things and the way people like average people can like execute ideas is going to change. Hmm. Um, and the people that build the platforms that help us take those prompts and make them into real things like tangible apps. Uh, those are the people that are going to be successful. The people that know how to like take those prompts and automate them into, you know, what's capable with all these like AI, you know, streams, yeah. all these APIs. So like the liaison between yeah. the, the messaging basically. Like the front end, you know yeah. what I mean? Like if you want to, you know, say you could, you could use your voice or you could use, you know, just a prompt, like a text message, but you know, what happens from that to, you know, the end, you know, result is going to be, is going to vary based on the company that's like offering the service. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be services that are, you know, advertising that you could build an a, a website in like 30 minutes, <laughs> you know, and what you're going to get is something probably much like a very basic website. Like but, a Squarespace or a Wix. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that works for like 80% of people, you know, that kind of website works. But what I find is like, that's not really my customer. Um, my customer needs you know, they have a business, they need to establish their voice, their tone, their, their brand, like their overall, the perception of what they do and like guide, guide their brand, you know, have their branding guided to the right place and then execute that branding into like a story that is like a high converting, um, sales pipeline for them on the web. So that's kind of what, that's what I do with the Aureli group. Yeah. Well, how did you start the Aureli group and what, like what made you start it? I guess like the the app that I built when I was younger, like I had a team and we just kind of took that team and we we're like, well, we're not doing this app anymore, but we know how to do all this stuff like branding and mm -hmm. web design and development. So let's offer it to other people that like don't know how to do this stuff. So we just started consulting basically. Like, you know, we would just build websites for people that didn't know what they were doing. And um, it just evolved over the years. Like we acquired more skills. Um, my team kind of shifted and changed and my focus changed. Um, so now like, you know, over the, it's been like a decade, I've done like 500 websites at this point. So like the process is down tight, like we get referrals, people know, like it's kind of a boutique thing. It's almost like hiring an artist, mm. you know what I mean? Like they come to, they come to me because they want the same result that somebody else got. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's, it's almost, you know, it's like a fitness coach too. Like mm -hmm. you don't, you, you can go to the gym and work out, but you might not see results. Yeah. But if you hire a personal trainer that has results and a track record and you like the result based on their clientele, you're going to hire that person. And it's mm -hmm. the same thing with like what we do. 
you can make your own website on Square, or Squarespace or mm -hmm. Wix, but are you going to get the same result? You're going to hit walls. You're going to hit, you know, you're just not going to be able to do it all yourself because you don't know the answers to all these questions. And you kind of need somebody to guide you through it. You need somebody to help you make decisions. So, yeah. So really, like, you, someone's coming to you to be a guide for them to, like, yeah. put their ideas down, or are you coming to them with ideas as well? Like, So it's a little bit of both. It's like my role is kind of like a business analyst. So, like, mm -hmm. I'll kind of interview my, you know, client, yeah. and um, I'll listen to them, and I'll suggest things. They usually see something they want to replicate, and we'll help them get there. But mm -hmm. I'll also sprinkle in suggestions and, like, ask the right questions to understand what will actually make their business better or like what will help them streamline some processes that they're like, you know, really behind on or, mm -hmm. you know, if they're using like paper for anything in like corporate, you should be able to automate or streamline paper processes. Like there's redundancies yeah. and stuff. So yeah, it really depends. I mean, it could be a marketing site. It could be a custom app for their business that they log into that like mm -hmm. helps upload like 3000 images in the right format so that it hits their website the right way and it's all SEO optimized. Like every client is different. Yeah. When you're interviewing them, right? What what kind of things are you looking out for? Or is there like certain like missions or Yeah. um to help brand the, the business overall? Um I guess like the main the main thing that we want to know is if they have established brand materials or like ideas behind their brand. Like typically most <laughs> a lot of people are just copying each other in circles. It's mm -hmm. like they'll see a competitor that did a really good job with a rebrand or a really good job with their website and they'll be like, crap, my website's trash. My logo looks like it was done in the 90s. I need to hire somebody. I don't know where to start here. I'm too busy doing my business stuff to even think about this stuff. So, you know, again, it really, it depends on their motivation to do for what, the, you know, to do the work that they need to get done. Um, but typically, if it's like a branding and website kind of project, you know, I'll ask them like, what are their top three favorite websites on the web? Like it doesn't even need to be within their, you know, their own realm, their own competitive landscape. It can literally be apple.com or Rolex, whatever it is. Yeah. Like we try to understand their taste, their personal preference in branding because branding isn't like your logo. It's not your color scheme. It's like branding is technically how people walk away from the interaction with your business and how they how they would repeat or tell a friend about your business. That's your brand. Your brand is like, hey, what's Ambi Coffee? People will be like, oh, hopefully, I, I hope that they would say it's an all organic coffee shop that's in Somerville, New Jersey. Um, and Raritan. And Raritan, yeah. <laughs> but that, that to me is branding. So like branding is, it's partially, you know, your, your, your logo and your, 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 color your color schemes and all that stuff. But it's, it's more so like how people walk away after engaging with your brand and that feeling that they have, that's your brand. And speaking of family, what kind of started that idea and like what made you want to open up like a brick and mortar like location after doing all the apps and just like yeah. business, business development? I mean, obviously like working in front of my computer all day, I drink a lot of yeah. <laughs> coffee. Yeah. Um, I just wound up making my own like cold brew at home because I was buying so much of it. Like I was spending like, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month at the coffee shops. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also I wanted to make a better, like I wanted control over what I was consuming. So I wound up just, you know, getting like the best coffee beans I could find and a certified organic coffee bean, obviously, so that I knew that there was like no pesticides used or any, 
you know, toxins used in the production and, and all that. Um, and I just started making like cold brew at home and wound up just buying like a kit off Amazon and just like started making this like cold brew. And like the first couple batches were terrible. <laughs> I was like, I, this sucks. Like I, I see why people go to coffee shops to buy it. But yeah. at the time there wasn't really like a lot of documentation on making good cold brew like at home. So I just kind of asked other, I asked roasters. I was asking like people that I knew were making cold brew. And at the end of the day, I like wound up making some really good cold brew at home and putting it in mason jars. And then my friends just started asking me like, can I buy this from you every week? This is the best coffee I've ever had. And that's kind of how it started. Like I was just like, and then I just bought bigger and bigger equipment to make more and more of it. And eventually got invited to do like a festival. Uh, my friend was doing like a beer fest and he was like, yo, you should sell this stuff on tap at my beer fest when people leave. So they're not driving drunk home, you know, they can <laughs> like walk crazy. around and like sober up a bit. So I was like, that sounds cool. So yeah, I just like formed a company. I got like a, I branded the bottle. So mm -hmm. it looked nice and like had a cohesive, like, so it looked like something you could trust, yeah. not mm -hmm. just a mason jar. <laughs> um, and then I had to like get in a kitchen, like a commercial kitchen and like get inspected by the health inspector. Oh. Um, so those are like the three things I had to do to, to basically go from my kitchen to like selling it and like, you know, actually taking money and like mm -hmm. paying taxes on it and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, that was like, that was the start of it, man. And like from there, it just was like, we're doing more events. Let's go to five farmer's markets a week. Farmer's markets were huge. Cause like, um, you know, I was able to bring my laptop and do my agency work at the same time, I was able to like sell coffee to people that were walking by my booth or my pop-up cafe thing. And we were doing that. I did that for like two years, just doing pop-ups. And eventually somebody approached me and was like, yo, let's, let's do a brick and mortar. Like let's, let's blow, let's blow out this concept of like, um, all organic and let's do a full menu. Let's do like lattes and all this stuff. So that's kind of how it got to a brick and mortar spot, but it wasn't, just me being like, oh, I wish I, I had a coffee shop. It was like, I wish my coffee was better. Like that's how I started the company, you know what I mean? And then it just like turned into like more products that were, you know, and then we've always, every everything that we release is with the same like root question. It's like, okay, somebody's doing this thing, at, you know, really well or whatever, it's getting popular. We always say like, how can we make this like healthier or how can we make this with less chemicals like that's how we approach everything on our on our menu and that's kind of like the value proposition that we have over i feel like a lot of other coffee brands 100 i feel like the best ideas always stem from something that you truly care about and you're not even looking for like anything yeah. like in return and you were just yeah you kind of just kind of formed organically yeah and to this day like i still you know it's 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 like i split my f my full-time week between both businesses but um and they're both I'm passionate about both, but the the coffee business is definitely starting to like take off and it's it is purely like a passion. Like I'm not sitting there like, oh, I need to pay all my bills with this business. The the beauty of it is I'm I'm able to make money consulting and not have to take from this this thing that's like growing and mm -hmm. like it's it's you know, it's just naturally evolving and I'm able to like sit back and kind of strategically make decisions with it without the pressure of having to like cut myself a salary for instance, like, um, or feed my kids, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, it's that, that's what keeps it, I think going 
Yeah. And without having like without without having to break the rules that I set in place for the business. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people when when there is their only source of income, they're so stressed and they're cutting corners totally. with a, a bunch of different things. Yeah. So it's nice that you guys are like self sustained, where you can just put all the profits and reinvest everything back. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and it took a lot of mistakes I feel like to get to that yeah. point but again you know it wasn't like I never had that pressure the first couple of years that we were open I didn't have that pressure of like this has to work you know I wasn't like all in on it mm -hmm. I was like just listening to people that were coming in and like adjusting and and taking my time with it when you were looking for a location was there anything specifically about like Somerville that stood out to you or other, like was there any like was there something specific you were looking for in a location um well, I like kind of grew up like in Somerville. My first job was in Somerville, went to Bridgewater Road in high school. So I felt like Somerville was our downtown as like kids growing up. So like I would always be like skateboarding and doing all my like meeting all my friends on Main Street and stuff back in the day. And it wasn't what it is today. Um, it was scary back in the day. It was. <laughs> That's what I hear. It was kind of spooky. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, like when I moved when I moved to Somerville like six ish years ago, um, the coffee thing wasn't even a thing. I was just like, I want to live somewhere, you know, I want to live in a downtown or whatever. And like Somerville was kind of on the right, mm -hmm. I felt like trajectory. Um, and it felt fun and new. So that's kind of, and then I just, it became like my home. Like I just felt like I wanted to contribute back to Somerville. So that's kind of how I picked the first location. It also just kind of fell in my lap, like timing wise. Somebody just called me one day and was like, hey, I need you to take over my lease. I know you're looking for a space. And um, the guy that had the space that we have now, it was totally like a handshake agreement. Like I just took over his lease. Damn. See, even, it didn't even hit the market. Even the deals are organic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So can we talk about like a couple of the rebrands that you guys had? Was What did you <laughs> sure. learn? From, uh, obviously, there's a bunch of articles online and everything like that. But... How did you feel when the first time you're like, oh shit, I have to rebrand this entire yeah. thing that I've been spending so much time on? So I can't like speak to the reason why we had to rebrand. I'm on non-disclosure agreement for that, but um, it's pretty public knowledge. Obviously, you can like Google it and figure it out. Yeah. But uh, the it was kind of upsetting because like, you know, it was it was a fun thing for me. Um, it was Nick. It was like my nickname at the time. It still is my nickname. <laughs> Um, and I just thought it was like a fun brand and I had a lot of fun with like making that brand and like it was all about being like black and white transparency and and it just it, that whole brand felt very natural to me like everything was was easy like it was like me doing my thing and obviously I wasn't like I wasn't able to attain the trademark for that brand so we had to kind of pivot and we were set with like a deadline. Like uh, it was basically, you know, can't use this, you know, branding anymore um, past this date. So we were kind of forced to make a new decision on like, okay, where do we want to go? And I treated that as an opportunity because like I said, the, the original name of the company was, um, it was like my nickname and it wasn't, it didn't really mean what the company meant at the time, like what it evolved to. And to me, the company, like I said, is like a healthier option to like your, everyday habit right so um that's what we try to do with the new name and <laughs> hit another wall with that name uh but we were forced because of that date to pick a name very quickly um and just preliminary research on the, with the trademark office kind of showed that at lucid coffee co which was the previous name 
um, was available and like we wouldn't have any issues. But when we went, when it came time to submitting the trademark for that, which it takes like, I don't know if you guys have ever submitted a trademark, but it takes like a year to even hear back. So you could like name your business, get customers, build a reputation, have an awesome social media following, only to find out like 12 months, 15 months later, you're not even allowed to use that name anymore because the trademark office is so backlogged. Yeah. So that's what happens. And it doesn't, it, you know, it happens to everybody. It happens like all the time. So that's what happened with Lucid. Like Damn. we got, you know, response from the trademark office said there was a conflict. We tried to negotiate with the person that there was a conflict with. They basically said, kick rocks. We're not, we're not going to work with you. <laughs> we don't want you using this name. And we had to change our name again. What, what did you tell yourself to keep on going after like the first time, the second time? Like, at that point, I'm like, fuck this, dude. I'm over it. I can't. I'm not going to lie. There's been like through that time, not now, but like at that time, I was like super demoralized. I was like, what the hell, man? Like, I can't yeah. get a break with this. And, at you know, like I said, it's, it was a passion thing. So like I was losing my passion for it. I was like, at this point, it's not feeling natural anymore. I feel like I'm constantly having some type of dispute just trying to like you know, enjoy a passion. So, um, but you know, everything happens for a reason and wound up having to just like make up a word that still made sense for us. And that's where Ambi came from, like, which I like more than any name we've, we've had. Um, can you tell the people what like Ambi means? Yeah. I've got, we've gone through hundreds and hundreds of name variations, like, uh, being a branding person, like, professionally like I've branded companies that weren't even mine I've branded my own brands um so you can imagine like the pressure I put on myself yeah. to you know pick a brand or pick a name and and like how the meaning <clears throat> has to have like a lot of layers to it um and also knowing the trademark office has so many applicants like millions of applicants that could have conflicts with names that you pick you have to be there's a lot of factors to say the least. So with Ambi, it was one of three names after like hundreds of names that I went through that I submitted to a trademark attorney. And they basically said, Ambi has the strongest chance uh, of like getting approved. And then they were like, we want to run this, this name through a third party research company to really be like a hundred percent before we like change the name of this again. Yeah. <laughs> so, as you can imagine, it was a very expensive process, but they basically, that third party research company came back and said like, the odds are very high. There's like very few um, applicants that could ever have a conflict with this name. And the only reason that we got to that point is because I basically made up the word Ambi. <laughs> <laughs> and the word Ambi is like, it's kind of, to me it means ambient, right? Like lighting, basically coming from every direction, the way something glows, the way something mm -hmm. that like from its core, uh, emits light from every direction. That's what Ambi means to me. And how that like applies to the brand is, um, you know, organic coffee, it's not in every coffee shop for a reason. It's very inaccessible. Like certified organic coffee is, it's the most ultra premium thing that you could be purchasing. Uh, it's a commodity. It's not brought into the United States in troves as much as pesticide treated coffee is because the profit margins aren't as high. And um, because the profit margins aren't that high, the big companies, they're not investing in organics. So it's not as attractive as a business model for um, other coffee shops. With that being said, I'm very persistent <laughs> and 
I'm we're 100% organic, like no matter what, even if it's not as profitable as uh, selling like a traditional coffee, that's what we do. Like we're always going to stick to that. Um, so how that ties back to the name is, you know, we want organic to feel we want we want to hit the market and grow fast, but we want it to feel like it's coming from every direction. Right. Like we want to make it accessible and kind of like democratize organic because it's not common. Like if you if you go to <laughs> any any major coffee shop and ask for an organic coffee, they either have one that you could choose from and they have to like special make it for you or they're just like, we don't serve organic coffee. So that's the idea behind the name. The, the, the idea is that we make it more accessible to everybody and we're coming from every direction with it. Where did the love from like organic coffees and like holistic kind of coffees kind of come about? Like, why did you even start caring about organic I guess it's coffee? just like knowledge. Like, I don't know. Just, it's just my obsession of, uh, I, you know, I did some consulting for a company called the Produce Marketing Association years ago through a rally group. Um, and I managed, we had a contract to manage their social media, their global social media strategy. And I met with a lot of brands. Like I met like Sunkist, I met Bolthouse Farms, like these huge mega brands that are responsible for the produce that we consume mm -hmm. at the grocery level when we go to the grocery store. And I guess I just learned a lot about like produce life cycles and like how most things are like cloned seeds and like, I don't want to get into the, the, the dark science behind it, but I became obsessed with that. And at that point I kind of decided to like just favor things that aren't treated with pesticides, um, over, over, you know, traditional, traditional like produce or whatever it is. So that's, that's where my like obsession for it comes from. Yeah. Was it difficult? Like when you were looking for the, the right beans, like entrusting who you were buying it from? Um, no, that, that came very easy because, uh, my buddy who I've been buying beans from for like, since I was doing Promoverse like app days, like for over a decade, he built a nice business in sourcing direct from these farmers. So that's kind of where this all kind of that, that's also like a kindling for yeah. this whole business because I had that connection. I had that connection to really high quality, perfectly roasted um, organic beans. What's your key to like, it sounds like you have, you put your, like you put your foot in the right door all the time, right? What's your kind of key to like networking, <laughs> you know? Uh, I honestly, I hate to say it, but like networking makes me kind of cringe. I don't know. Like I, I'm not a networker. I'm like kind of like in between an extrovert and a introvert. If I had it my way, I'd probably kind of just stay home and work all day and like avoid people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love, I love seeing like, I love going to the cafe. I love like seeing people so happy and like love our products. And, um, it's tough to say, like networking wise, I, people just, I guess, feel the need to refer uh, at least at the agency side. Like that's how my business grows. Like I, we don't do any advertising or anything. So I guess if you just do good work and do good things, people will gravitate towards that. Mm -hmm. It's the best thing that I could say.
And what's your advice on like building a team? It sounds like you have a but your team's kind of set. You guys have these protocols. What, and even even with the employees at, at Ambi, both Ambis. Yeah. Like, what, what's your key to building like a good team? Um, number one thing is just pay people what they are worth. Like, even if it, even if you're at risk of like not making as much money yourself, pay your people and like treat them highly, like pay them fairly and treat them highly. Um, that I found has just like blown up the, at least the cafe side. Like we decided to like not do the traditional route of like, okay, we are a hybrid of like a restaurant kind of. So like you can, we can basically not pay minimum wage and tip, right? Because you're like a hybrid employee, you're a restaurant employee. Mm -hmm. And as you guys know, if you've ever worked in the restaurant industry, the average is like $2 and 13 cents an hour plus yep. tips, right? So at coffee shops, <clears throat> we could follow the same rules, but I decided not to. I decided to follow basically like the minimum wage laws and like, we also get handsome tips from our customers. So with that, uh, I think um, combination of like really great tips because we have a good product and our employees are paid fairly so they're happy. Uh, it just like cyclically yeah. helps like customers like the experience so they come back, the product's really good so they come back and employees are always happy because they're getting tips and they're getting fairly paid. So Damn. that's at least the cafe side, that's that's what I find works. And like on the agency side, um, to be honest, like I am the only employee, so everybody's like a 1099 contractor and like I just put them on projects as needed. They have, I think for that business, it's more about the lifestyle of like, I work with people that love to just have freedom in their schedule and like they like to um, pick and choose what they like to work on. And I, that's how I pitch it to them. Like I have several designers, developers that, you know, I'll say, Hey, got this new project opportunity. Do you want to be on it? And they'll say yes. And you know, I set like milestones and phases for the projects. They always hit their deadlines. I pay them what they want to get paid. And that's the, that's the other end of it. You know, like it's more about the freedom, I think. And like, you get to pick what you work on. Damn. Yeah. So you establish a culture like kind of yeah. for both businesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you want to hop into uh, rapid fire? Let's get some rapid right. fire. Going. So we have a segment on our podcast where we kind of just hit you with some rapid fire questions. All right. All right. TB, you want to go first? First time you drank coffee. <laughs> Ooh, uh, like experience or like date? Experience. Um, terrible. It was like my mom's like hazelnut oh. coffee. <laughs> like uh, I think it was Folgers Oof. and... Uh, I loved it, but I hated it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it was like my first beer. <laughs> How many cups a day? Currently? Yeah, currently. I try to stick to one. Favorite One app. very watered down. <laughs> Favorite app? Um, I have to say Instagram, probably. It's the, at least the one I use the most, yeah. Favorite place to eat in Somerville? Mm, good question. Put them on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not uh, just rapid fire, right? So... I'd have to say me and my fiance really like to get like a porterhouse at Wolfgang's. It's probably our favorite thing to do, our favorite pastime. All right, what about you? I want to hear yours. My favorite? Tango's? <laughs> I don't know. I honestly, like, I haven't been to a place in Somerville that I was really disappointed. I like Kirma a lot. Everything is, <laughs> yeah, we like, we like Kima too, yeah. Like Kima. Kima. Yeah, I don't know how to say yeah, it. It's I either know. Kima or it's Kima. I'm calling yeah. Martino's. You're calling Martino's. Martino's is really good too. I just wish... I'm, I'm always working when they're open <laughs> and then 
I I eat almost every meal at home. I like because we're surrounded by restaurants. Like for yeah. years and years, I was always like eating out everywhere in Somerville. But honestly, I eat ninety five percent of my meals at home. I feel like it's so tough nowadays. Yeah. To like, uh, it's just around seven o'clock. I'm driving home, and I'm like, I go home and cook something, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not much of a prepper. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> Favorite travel destination. I'd have to say Aruba because I've been there multiple times, but it depends on like, it's either Aruba or Miami, but definitely tropical, um, like Bahamas, like vibes. Yeah. Dream location for the next Ambi? Uh, I'm really set on Morristown. Let them know. Yeah. Ever want to get Ambien stores? Like the whole bean coffee? Like... Or like, like, shop, right? like in yeah. like jugs or like... Yeah, so that was the original business to can and bottle and distribute cold brew and just not have a brick and mortar not have a brick and mortar uh kind of pivoted and got distracted by brick and mortar for a while but we will be back to that soon um but uh we are on the wait list for whole foods um got accepted to Shoprite and didn't like their terms so Mm. i backed out yeah but yeah we will be in grocery it's just tough the margins are crazy and they want you to be priced the way they want you to be it's it's a whole different beast yeah if it wasn't coffee, what would you be selling? If it wasn't coffee, what would I be selling? Probably ramen. I love ramen. Ooh. Yeah. Favorite type of ramen? Uh, spicy miso all spicy the way, every miso. time. Do you have another favorite coffee shop in Somerville besides Ambi? In Somerville? Or just like in general. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it in general. But we'll, leave it, <laughs> we'll leave it general. All right. Um, I like Early Bird uh, Mer- Mercantile in um, Frenchtown. They do a really good job. Yeah. What would you tell someone that's going to Starbucks every day and they're curious about trying something else. What would I tell them that if they go, like if they come to my place or if they just, or if they just like, I guess on the streets, you, just like if you're in conversation with someone yeah. and they're like, I'd say like, try not try having the same coffee that you get every day without all the crap in it. Just like have a black version of it and see if you still like it. What's one piece of advice you'd give your younger self? Hmm. Save more money. Piece of advice you'd give your older self travel more where can the people find out more about ambu and everything else um you can visit either of my websites um what areli group is just areli.com a-r-e-l-i.com and then um ambi is ambi.coffee a-m-b-e-e.coffee and can you give us a quote to that camera to close us off on the pod a quote quote or something you want to leave the people with my motto is lifestyle by design, which essentially to me means um, you, you, you are what you put out into the world and you can have full control over your schedule and love what you do every day as long as you focus on that and, and that only. All right. That's Steven Chiochi, everyone. Thank you awesome. so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah.